didn't even know what to do with that. That was so unbelievably weak. But hey, uh, my name's Torn. I get to be one of the pastors here. And uh, I love what we are studying right now. Uh, I will even admit it was not my idea. Uh, Austin Presnell, uh, one of our pastors you met this morning, uh, he actually came up with this series. Uh, but I have really enjoyed it. I love last week what he shared. And, and uh, I get to talk about um, something that has, God has really actually been using in my heart just in this past week as I've been studying to prepare uh, for this message. I remember when I was a, a, a little kid, and uh, time always seemed to go so slow. Do you remember that? Like when you're in like fifth grade, right, and like holiday breaks coming up, uh, you got birthday coming up or summer break, like it always feels like it takes so long. And I can remember being in like fifth, sixth grade and March would hit, right? Now, now winter time's, you know, great up until about, you know, January 5, right? And then we're like sick of winter, like get out, like give me the summertime. I love summertime. It's my favorite time of the year. Uh, school would get out that first week of June, right? My birthday is the second week of June. So for me, summertime was like this triple whammy of joy. But March would hit and it would stretch for eons. At least that's what it felt like. And my kids are kind of like that. Now they're getting a little bit older, so it's not quite the same. But uh, I can remember my kids when they're a little younger, they would talk to me and they would be like, something would be coming up, like a, a party or a holiday or something. They'd be like, when is it? Is it tomorrow? And you'd be like, no, 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 it's three more sleeps. Three more sleeps. And like, you might as well have told them it was a thousand years, right? Three more sleeps is like an eternity when you're a little kid. I'm 46 now. And time is not moving slowly anymore. Uh, my kids are getting uh, older. And I want to slow time down. Uh, I want to try to, like, stretch it out. Now, some of you, uh, most of you, are a lot younger than me, all right? So you're probably in that season where you're like, nah, I'm cool. Like, I want it to kind of, like, keep going along pretty quickly. I got stuff I want to get to. I promise you, someday you're going to be my age or older, and you're going to wish for this exact same thing. You're going to start begging God to slow down time. Well, I've got good news for you. This morning, I'm going to share with you the secret of how to slow time down. How to slow time down. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is actually one of the most famous passages in Scripture Definitely in the book of Ecclesiastes, all because of the birds. Now, not those birds, but these birds. Uh-oh. There we go. Oh, yeah. Now, the birds were kind of L.A.'s answer to the Beatles back in the mid-60s. They were not the Beatles, okay? Now, there were some good members in The Birds. David Crosby, I think, is right there in the middle playing the guitar. They had a couple of hits. This was probably their most famous hit. And the entire thing was stolen 
<laughs> Literally, I think that there's five words that are not straight from this scripture. Not only that, but it's not actually even their song. Somebody else wrote it about five years earlier, but they're the ones that became famous for it. And that is the scripture we're going to look at this morning. I'd love you to take a look with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. This is the teacher speaking, and the teacher says, There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to uproot. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to tear down, and a time to build. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What the teacher is doing here in this famous section of scripture is using a literary device called a marismus. You're like, wow, Torin's really smart. Uh, Torin just read that somewhere. So uh, I, had to, I never knew what a marismus is. I had to look it up myself. A marismus is actually when you kind of share something that are polar extremes with the idea that you're covering everything in between those two extremes. And that's exactly what the teacher is doing here. The teacher is trying to explain to us or share with us kind of the totality of human experience, the totality of human ex, uh, um, kind of life, and, and, and he does that by using a marismus, and he starts off with the one that kind of begins and ends everything, right? A time to be born and a time to die. And then he goes through the rest of the six uh, um, groupings of pairs, and he basically just is sharing random things that happen to every single person, Right? Everything that is found within human existence itself. Now, none of these uh, actually seem to be placed in any particular order other than a time to be born, a time to die, which kind of starts the whole thing off. And the teacher isn't necessarily recommending these things as good, uh, nor is the teacher actually condemning these things as bad. This is like just what happens. He's like, look, this is the existence, the human experience. These are the things that we find in it. The author basically is like, yo, welcome to the real world. But let's continue on reading verse 9. It says, what do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time, he's kind of hearkening back to creation. God is the one that's able to do this. He's, a, he's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. In other words, we know deep down inside of us that, that there's something more, something beyond this life. But then he goes on to say, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. You might know that there's something more there, but you can't figure it out. He says in verse 12, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. You know something is there 
but you can't figure it out. You can't go back into the past and change anything. Flip over uh, with me to verse 18. We're going to skip a few verses. He says, I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. Ah, there's our hopeless romantic. <laughs> right? Uh, there's our eternal optimist. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down to the earth? He's like, yo, humans aren't any different. You're both created from the dust, just like animals. You think you're better, but you're not. You're going to die, just like the animals. Everything is meaningless. Verse 22. So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Back in verse 11, he's kind of saying, you can't change the past. Then here in verse 22, he says, you can't control the future. Uh, there's this famous scene in the movie, The Matrix, where Morpheus is talking to Neo for the first time. You've all seen this the red pill and the blue pill, right? He holds one out, the blue pill, the red pill, and then Morpheus says this to Neo. He says, you take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Ooh. Morpheus gives Neo the option. He's like, hey, you take the blue pill, you stay ignorant. You, you can make up whatever story you want to tell yourself, but if you take the red pill, watch out. I'm about to show you reality, the harsh reality, the real, real. The teacher is not like Morpheus because the teacher doesn't offer you any blue pills. In fact, the teacher keeps pulling out red pills out of his pocket and shoving them down your throat to everybody who wants to read this. The, re the, the teacher is saying, hey, let me tell you the harsh realities of the world that we live in. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to let you know what it actually looks like. But in the midst of all that, there in verse 13 and again in verse 22, he also says, yes, this world is broken. This world is messed up because of sin. And we all experience that from birth to death. Things are not the way that we desire them to be. But let me tell you how you can still live a good life. Uh, do you ever find yourself dreaming about the future? I know like lately, like I've found myself there a lot. Um, I'm, I'm not a Rona fan. I'm going to tell you all that right now. I don't like the Rona. She ain't been good to me. I, I'm not a fan. I'm sick and tired already like of masks. All right. Nobody likes masks. All right. We're all wearing them because we love other people, and so we're willing to sacrifice some of those things that we don't like for the sake of others, but we all hate it. Look, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm like pining for a vaccine. I'm, I, I pray for a vaccine. I do it on the regular. I, I can't wait for a vaccine, for a cure for this, because I miss the energy of like a full room. Like, I'm just being real. Like, I miss having this place packed out. 
at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock on a Sunday. I miss seeing the tangible, powerful presence of God moving in people's lives right here during services. I, I miss the power of a, of a full room of everyone's voices just crying out to God in worship and, and singing our hearts out and, and, and having our minds literally transformed as we speak truth to one another and over one another, truth that we need to be reminded of. I, I miss all of the kids running through the halls like little banshees. I miss when they come up onto the stage after services, because there's always four or five of them that do, and I don't know if they're like fake preaching or like worship leading, but they're like stage diving. Like, I miss seeing the kids do that. Truth is, I, I also don't want people to suffer. I, I am uh, lucky, because I, I, haven't, I haven't had anybody really close to me that I know that's had the virus. Many of you probably do know somebody. Some of you probably even know someone that's died as a result of this. I, I want this thing to go away. Uh, and the truth is that a disease often has an overwhelming place of suffering on the weak and the vulnerable on the poor and oppressed, they, they, they wind up experiencing the suffering even worse than the rest of us. I want this virus to go away. And these are all good reasons to like look forward to the day that we have a vaccine, that we have a cure, right? But way too often I find myself trying to live in a place that I can't actually be. The future. I, I find myself wanting to be Someplace that I can never be. And this isn't where God wants me to live. This isn't where God wants you to live. He wants us to be present. He wants us to live now. To live in the now. God doesn't want us living in the past with our regrets. He doesn't want us living in the past of our glory days. Like, oh, do you remember when? God doesn't also, at the same time, want us living in the future, in the what might be's, in the what could be's, because we can't control it. He wants us living fully in the here and now. You can't change the past or control the future, so enjoy the present. You can't change the past, and you can't control the future, so enjoy the present. Uh, there's a, a guy, his name's Dr. Ian Proven. Um, he's an Old Testament scholar. And he says this, he says, the teacher's philosophy is that all mortal beings should seize the day, right? Carpe diem, all right? He says, it is indeed, oh, we'll get there in just a second. You're a little bit ahead of me. <laughs> it is indeed the appropriate response to the reality that we're not in control, but God is in control. We should stop worrying about how things are gonna work out and concentrate on living joyfully in the moment that is currently given to us. Right, that's exactly what verses 12 and 13 say. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their work. This is the gift of God. He goes on to say, Although the modern secular worldview may seem to share some surface level similarities to the teacher's philosophy, there is one key difference. This is it. 
The teacher's carpe diem is an expression of faith in God, not of self-fulfillment. That's the key difference. The teacher's carpe diem is an expression of faith in God, not self-fulfillment. It's not the greedy consumption of experiences and pleasures before oblivion consumes us all. It is, rather, the patient and joyful embrace of daily life as it comes to us as a gift from God. Can I tell you one of the reasons that I, I just love Scripture? Why I like it so much? I love Scripture because Scripture is raw. Scripture doesn't sugarcoat things. Scripture is not one-dimensional. Uh, we live in a world right now where everybody's trying to pigeonhole everybody else, right? You're either Democrat or Republican, right? You're liberal or conservative. You're Trump or Biden. You're blue or red, right? If you wear a mask, you're a mindless lemming under the control of a dictatorial government trying to destroy our freedom in front of our very eyes, right? And if you don't wear a mask, you're a selfish, anti-science jerk face, hell-bent on killing people right in front of our very eyes. Like, everybody wants to try to pigeonhole us. That's even true when it comes to stinking Twix. Right Twix or left Twix? Which one are you, right? It's time to decide. That, that's, that's the world that we live in now. And I love that Scripture won't allow that to happen. Because Scripture understands that life is full of contradiction. Scripture understands that life has all kinds of gray. It's not simply an either-or. Nobody wants to do the hard work of being nuanced anymore. Because nuance doesn't sell magazines. Nuance doesn't create clicks on your Facebook or your Insta or your Twitter. Nuance is hard. Nuance takes work. We all want black and white, right or wrong, either or. That's what everybody's looking for, and the Bible won't allow us to do that. And it's one of the reasons that I love the Bible. Almost every single one of the Bible's heroes has massive flaws. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat things. And one of the things that the Bible does that I so appreciate and is doing right here is that it allows for contradiction. I remember when I was studying this, this whole idea of like, well, I can't change the past and I can't control the future, so I should just enjoy the present. Like at first, you're like, oh, that's great. But if you're like me and you've got a little bit of ambition, you do want to think about the future. You do want to make plans. One of our values as a church is we create the future. How are we going to do that if we don't ever think about it? I care about justice for my black and brown brothers and sisters. I have to, because they're my brothers and sisters, and they're also my daughter and sons, and my wife. And so I'm not going to stop about that. But isn't that what this passage is teaching? Like, well, you can't control it, so just let it go, just chill. No. And yes, the Bible teaches us, Jesus taught us, that we're supposed to care about the future and plan ahead. And the Bible also teaches us that we can't control it, and we're supposed to live in the now. And I love the fact that the Bible allows both of those things to be taught, because you know why? We need to hear both of those truths. And today's message for you and I 
is that we can't change the past and we can't control the future. And so we need to recognize that everything we have is a gift from God and enjoy it. The Bible reminds us that since we can't control it, we can enjoy it. It's a gift to be present with God and with one another. And friends, that is the secret to slowing down time. The more present you are in the moment, the slower time goes. The more present you are in the moment, the slower time goes. Uh, Last week, Austin did an awesome job of kicking us off, kind of setting the stage. And I was actually a little bit jealous of him because he used a fantastic illustration uh, from the movie About Time. I had never seen the movie before. It is rated R. It's not one that I'm going to tell you you need to go out and rush out and see, but there is a beautiful illustration within that movie. Uh, The illustration, uh, if you remember, had to do with the main character. You see the main character, his family, the men in his family, have been able to, for generations, go back in time, time travel. Never forward, only backward. And at the end of the movie, uh, his dad sits him down and tells him how he can have a wonderful life with this gift, with this crazy gift that he has. He says, do this. Live every day as it is with all of its tensions and anxiety and difficulties. And then his dad says, and then go back and live that day again. But this time, slowing down enough to notice all of the beauty. It's a beautiful concept, isn't it? You go through the day as it is with all of its tensions and difficulties and hardships and then go and live it again, but slow down enough to be present, to experience the joys and the powers. Uh, Do you know how he's able to do that on the second day? Because he's already lived it once. He already knows what's coming. He can take a second and slow down. He can notice things that he didn't notice before. He can make eye contact with the person he's buying a muffin from and smile at her. He can stop for literally one second and just look up at the beautiful building that he happens to be standing in and say, man, isn't this beautiful? He can can joke around with a colleague. Why? Because he already knows what's coming. That's how he can live the second day like that. That's exactly what God desires for us. We we can actually be present in the now, in the here, today, and enjoy our life, enjoy our work, enjoy our food and our drink because we don't have to worry about what is coming. Not because we've lived it already, but because our God is already there. And that's why this all boils down to how much we actually trust God. Do we actually believe that he is who he says he is, that he can do what he says he can do. The more that we come to know him, the more we come to trust him, the more we are able to live in the present. Friends, that's how we slow down time. God has promised our future already, and he is redeeming our past already, and that gives us the ability to sit right here in this moment and enjoy our life, our work, our food, 
our drink. So I have some homework for you. Austin gave you some homework. I hope you guys did it last week. We had lots of sunny days. Did it. How many of you guys remembered to go outside and just say, God, thank you for the sun? I did. Oh, I, I raised my hand. You guys all raised your hand. If you didn't, that's okay. Nobody's looking. So, although I did see you, and I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I do have something for you this week. It's, a, uh, it's just as simple, but might require a little bit more effort, because I'm going to ask you to do something every single day, and this is what I'm going to ask you to do. When you wake up in the morning, when your feet first hit the floor, okay, either you're standing up or even you're just still sitting in bed, ideally, with your feet on the floor, I simply want you to do this. I want you to start your day by thanking God for being in control and thanking him for loving you. So I just want you to say, God, thank you for being in control and thank you for loving me. That will remind you that you can be present in the day because you have a God who already knows the future and he's already there and so you don't have to stress. You don't have to worry. He's got you. So that's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to simply put your feet on the floor and say, thank you for being in control. Thank you for loving me. If you have a God who loves you and is also in control, you can be present in the moment. And then the second thing that I want you to do is find one evening this week. Okay, normally we're like, yo, don't give people more than one thing to do. I'm giving you two, all right? Going, going outside of what I normally tell. I want you to simply take 30 minutes sometime this week to get a beverage that is delicious and some food that is tasty, all right? And I want you to turn off your phone, turn off the TV, maybe find some friends to hang out with, go out on the back porch, uh, go have a little picnic someplace, maybe go out to eat, get us some delicious food and some delicious drink, and just enjoy it. Pay attention to the flavors. Pay attention to how it feels on your tongue, in your mouth, how you start to think and feel in your brain as you're enjoying it. That's one of the things God wants you and I to do. Uh, Dr. Proven says this, and I love it. I'm going to close with this. We must never forget that the Bible has not been given to us to satisfy our curiosity. In other words, the Bible isn't been given to us so that we can know the future and not have to worry about it, all right? That's not primarily why God gave us the Bible. It wasn't simply for our, uh, to satisfy our curiosity, but to engage our lives, The resurrection itself is not primarily an idea about the future. It is a summons to live faithfully in the present. Mm, I love that. The resurrection isn't something for our future. It's actually supposed to help us live life today. Friends, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been resurrected. It's already happened and is happening and you don't have to worry about the future you can enjoy the present friends let's be present father god we want to not simply take these words and hear them we want to live them so god it's easy for me to talk about it but god i find myself so often uh, Worrying about what's to come and what's it going to be like and what's it going to mean. And, and God, I can so easily start thinking about this thing and that thing that's coming down the pipe and I can miss some of the very beautiful realities you have set in front of me today. God, let me, let us be people of the present. God, we can't change the past and we can't control the future. 
But God, you are already redeeming our past and you are already in our future. So let us enjoy the present with you. God, we know that happens because of what Christ has done on the cross. His death, his resurrection applied to our lives and we say thank you. You're in control and you love us. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.